Hey, good evening, AP Lit. This is your English teacher, Mrs. Ford. English teacher radio coming at you. Gotta check the time. Wednesday, March 25th, 8.15. Hope everyone's having a good evening. Got a big show up for us tonight. Um, the first thing that we're going to talk about is the silver lining of my day. Um, then we're going to get into the content of chapters one through three. And I got a lot to talk about. And then we're going to do some shout outs. Um, so let's take a look at some things. Oh, no, my day. Sorry, that's the first thing we have to talk about. Okay. Well, the day looked a lot like yesterday. Um, the silver lining of my day for sure was this evening, I took a bike ride with my older two children and there was no one out on the roads in a car, as I'm sure a lot of you have noticed. And some of you have even noted that in your journal. And the, I mean, the bonus is, is that we just like, we ride down the streets, like the streets are closed. It was awesome. Um, we went about, I think maybe six 30 and it was really sunny. It was beautiful. Nobody had to wear a coat. Um, and it was really fun to ride through the streets and there was hardly any traffic. And obviously, as I'm sure in a lot of your neighborhoods, people are out and about like crazy. Um, so that was really awesome. Not something that I can see myself doing if I were in school, just because as you guys know, like the, the weeknights are very, can be stressful with homework and with me with grading and getting stuff ready. So that felt really nice to go on a bike ride with them. Um, okay. So we're going to chat a little bit today about chapters one through three and, um, Though I have a list of things that I want to talk about. At the end of this episode, I'm going to drop a Google form into Classroom, and I would like you guys to type out any questions you have about the first three chapters. And I'm going to record all those questions and then put them in maybe to a Google slide, Google Slides, or just just like um, I'm just going to try to create like a discussion board format where people can answer other people's questions. So. If you have read the first three chapters, or even if you haven't, if you want to listen to this first, that's okay, because I'll, um, I'll give you a bunch of stuff to look for. So um, we, we begin with our main character, Okonkwo. And I cannot remember if I said this yesterday, so I apologize. It's just like class. I'm always repeating myself. <laughs> I can't remember if I said this yesterday, but the key, one of the key things about Okonkwo is you are not going to like him. And... Uh, you're not supposed to like him. It's not about liking him. We're not here to like people. We are here to understand people. And I almost think it's a little bit like King Lear. Like he makes a lot of mistakes, right? But he's going to follow this arc that I don't want to tell you about right now, but you will feel for him at some point in the book. And you want to think about how challenging that is for a writer the writer for a writer to give you a character that you are going to be so mad at and so annoyed by. And yet he's going to put that character into a position where by the end you really feel for him. Um, and I know you can't see that right now because he's such a jerk to so many people. But anyway, we start with Okonkwo and Okonkwo is not likable at all. <clears throat> but one thing I want you guys to just one thing I talk a lot about when we read things fall apart with all my students is you really want to try to suspend your judgment. Okay. So as a Westerner reading this, a lot of things you're going to go, Oh, that's not right. Right. Like polygamy. Oh, that's not right. Or, um, you know, going to war all the time and killing people, which is what Okonkwo does. It's so easy for us to say, Oh, that's, you know, that's not right. He shouldn't do that. Um, the way he, he treats his wife, his wives, excuse me. 
um, you're going to constantly have to challenge yourself to preserve your judgment. It's not about is Okonkwo a good person or a bad person. That's really not the point of this book. The point of this book is we have to understand this culture if we have to understand the collision of cultures that happens for these people when the Europeans show up, and they will. Um, so we're just here to understand the Igbo. We're not here to judge the Igbo. We'll have conversations like that later, but we first need to do a lot of learning about this culture first. Um, and then we probably, at some point, we will reflect on our own cultures and our own religious practices and have a conversation about, you know, how what would a, what would an outsider, a total outsider, what would they think of your religion if they just watched it one time, right? How would it look to them? Okay, so you're not going to like Okonkwo, but one big theme that I want you guys to notice right off the bat is masculinity. So Okonkwo is an extremely masculine, and when I say masculinity, I mean a, a traditional view of masculinity. Oh, sorry. Actually, it's better if you think of it as hyper-masculinity, okay? So we have these qualities of uh, these very traditional qualities of man, and Okonkwo is like all of those things times 10. So he's extremely physical. He doesn't like to talk. He refuses to express emotion. Um, so Okonkwo is a hyper-masculine character. And one thing that you want to keep in mind is that he is a product of his culture. So in his culture, in his world, um, he lives in a village. And sometimes, as you guys know, if you read the first three chapters, one village can go to war with another village. And if you cannot fight and and protect your village, then your village does not survive. So what I'm trying to say is, is that if you want your village to survive, you really need men who will kill people. And um, wait, there's a line. I really want to find it. And, and you want men who are going to drink wine out of human skulls. Oh, here, it's on page 20, um, where he says, uh, on great occasions, such as the funeral of a village celebrity, he drank his palm wine from his first human head. That's who you want on your team if it means, you know, winning the war or being annihilated. So we we understand that in chapter, I think it's chapter two, when we have this whole situation with them in another village. Um, you know, he's like, hey, you want to go to war? Let's go to war. So Okonkwo is a product of his culture and his culture, this culture values extremely strong men because they need extremely strong men to support the village. Um, another thing that you want to think about in terms of like, and again, it's not about judging. I'm not saying it's okay to go to war and kill other humans, but, but that's, that's the world that Achebe is trying to show us. Um, the other thing that you want to think about with this is this concept of polygamy. And we're going to talk about more of that later. But you guys know, basically the first part one of the book is Achebe is trying to introduce us to every single facet of this culture. So wealth in this culture is measured by yams. Okay. How many yams you got? Yams, 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 yams. I'm doing the thing with my hands right now where I'm counting my dollar bills, but really you'd be counting yams if you were an Ebo person. Okay, so you have to think about this. If if the, your farm is your wealth, how many yams you got in the barn, how big your farm is. And remember, food is not under what we call, like, it's not under lock and key, right? There's no store that you go to to purchase food. You grow everything. So if, like, your whole livelihood is your farm, 
And remember, we're not hiring any workers, right? Like nobody's going to work for anyone. The only people who farm your land is your are your, the people in your family. So that means you, if you have a huge family, then you can have a huge prosperous farm. And if you have more than one wife, that's a game changer, right? Instead of having four kids be a huge family, you can have 12 kids and have a huge family. So again, it's not about saying, oh, polygamy, you know, that's so, so many horrible things. It's just about like understanding it, right? This is a really different world. And before we pass any judgment on it, we want to just understand it. So we have the polygamy. We have this concept of masculinity. Another thing that you guys are learning about are these proverbs and the proverbs and the stories. You're going to hear a lot of these throughout the book and they may, I don't know, annoy you in some ways, but, but I'm going to read a quote from chapter one where Okonkwo is meeting with Okoye. And I don't even know if that's how you say his name. I'm just doing my best. And it says among, this is on page 16, among the Igbo, the art of conversation is regarded very highly and proverbs are the palm wine, sorry, proverbs are the palm oil with which words are eaten. So these, these proverbs are a way to explain things to each other and understand how their world works. And you're going to hear a lot of these proverbs throughout the book. It's a very, it's, it's, um, it's a big deal in their culture. Okay. Inevitably, another thing that you're maybe confused by, but we're learning a lot about is, are these traditions that the Igbo people have for each other? So for example, um, we learned about the cola nut. Like when you meet with someone, you crack the cola nut and you share it. Um, we learned, we've learned about like how, when they first sit down to talk to each other, a lot of the times they have these long conversations and then they get into their business. Um, we learned about how Okonkwo's father, Unoka, is he was like a debtor. He owed a lot of people money. And that's that's like really looked down upon in their culture. You also want to notice how Unoka is really the opposite of Okonkwo, right? Like Unoka is not a hypermasculine male. He listens to music, you know, he just kind of likes to, you know, like doesn't like to work super hard on his farm. And this is really looked down upon in their culture. And so Okonkwo is sort of on a mission to never be his father. Um, okay. So we have traditions. We have proverbs. We have masculinity. Um, in chapter two, this is a little bit of a plot clarification or just an update. So because this is going to become a huge part of the story, Okonkwo goes to this neighboring village and he gets a boy, a boy and a girl, but the boy is the one that stays with us. And the boy's name is Akeme Funa. And the neighboring village had a member of their village that killed a member of Umofia, Okonkwo's village. Again, am I saying that right? I don't know. I'm just kind of trying. Um, so he gets this boy and he comes to live with Okonkwo. And what you want to notice is like, you know, they don't have a, a judicial system that looks like our judicial system but they do have a judicial system. Okay. So that's the other thing that you want to notice is that to the outsider, if we were, how do I explain this? Like if we were just an outsider coming in as a tourist, kind of, this would all look really uncivilized, right? Like, Oh my God, you know, you're taking people's kids to these people. This is the way that they maintain peace. And if they cannot maintain peace, they will go to war. Um, so just keep that in mind. 
Okay, so he gets a Kemefuna, and Okemefuna is going to be a big part of um, of the story. And the other person that you might want to also mentally note is Okonkwo has a son named Nowoye. And I'm going to read a chapter, a, a line from chapter two, where it says, Okonkwo's first son, Nowoye, was then 12 years old, but was already causing his father great anxiety for his incipient, incipient laziness. So Okonkwo and Nuoye, this is okay, this relationship is becomes very important. And Kemifuna and Nuoye are going to be the same age. So just keep that in mind. Um, but again, Nuoye is not like his father, and that's going to be a, a cause that's going to cause conflict. Okay, chapter three. One thing I want to talk about in chapter three specifically in terms of traditions is um, well, let's just put it all under the category of traditions and culture, is the Oracle. The Oracle is everything. The Oracle is everything. Um, in ch- and earlier in chapter two, they talked about how um, they would never go to war. Oh yeah. It says um, there were indeed occasions when the Oracle had forbidden Omofia to wage a war. If a clan had disobeyed the Oracle, they would surely have been beaten. So like to them, if they want answers, they go to the Oracle. So let's talk about what that is. So it says the oracle was called Agbala and people came far and near to consult it. They came when misfortune dogged their steps or when they had a dispute with their neighbors. They came to discover what the future held for them or to consult the spirits of their departed fathers. The way into the shrine was a little, was a round hole at the side of the hill, just a little bigger than the round opening into a hen house. Worshippers and those who came to seek knowledge from the God crawled on their belly through the hole and found themselves in a dark, endless space in the presence of Agbala. Okay, pause. Agbala is a spirit, okay? It's what they call this God-like figure. And they have a lot of different um, spirits or non-human powers. You're going to hear a lot of different names. So, So Agbala is one of them. But then it says, no one had ever beheld Agbala except his priestess. Okay, so just to clarify, Agbala is a is a non-human entity of some kind, a spirit or a god, but the person who communicates on behalf of Agbala is the priestess, okay? And she is a human. Okay, and the priestess is going to change like throughout the book. We're going to have it, you know, you're going to meet the old priestess and we got a new priestess. But what she's going to do is she's going to say you know, Agbala says you have to do X, Y, or Z. And the, the people of the village believe that she is speaking the words of God, or like that's our Western word, the word of God. Um, so keep that in mind. It's a little confusing, but that's who Agbala is. Okay, so in the last, in chapter three, we get this idea that Okonkwo, you know, he's a guy who is extremely hardworking and he's really going to work his way up. So he goes to um, he goes to his friend Nawikbi. That's a real tough one for me, guys. And he talks about um, you know they talk about how to get Okonkwo started. Um, one thing that I want you to notice is that like women, I think probably if I had to guess, your initial your initial thought would be that women are subservient to men in the society. And in many ways, you're right. They are. And then in other ways, they will hold some positions of authority. 
And that's important to pay attention to. Um, okay. So yam is the man's crop, just something to keep in mind. Um, and Okonkwo starts his farm and, um, you just want to keep in mind that like everything is dependent on the weather, not necessarily even the weather, but like the crops. And so, you know, this is their livelihood. Um, everything depends on the weather and the crops. And so when the harvest doesn't go well, when the season doesn't go well, it's a very big deal for these people. So just keep that in mind. Um, on page 32, I'm going to read you a key quote here from the end. It says, uh, the, that year, okay, I guess I'll read the previous paragraph. But the year had gone mad. Rain fell as it had never fallen before. For days and nights together, it poured down in violent torrents and washed away the yam heaps. Trees were uprooted and deep gorges appeared everywhere. The rain became less violent, but it went from day from day to day without pause. The spell of sunshine, which always came in the middle of the wet season, did not appear. The yams put on luxuriant green leaves, but every farmer knew that without sunlight, the tubers would not grow. So, you know, they did everything right. But then because of the weird weather, they they don't get a harvest. And, it, you know, this, this is, again, everything to these people. That year, the harvest was sad, like a funeral, and many farmers wept as they dug up the miserable rotting yams. One man tied a cloth, tied his cloth to a pre tree branch and hanged himself. Okonkwo remembered that tragic year with a cold shiver throughout the rest of his life. It always surprised him when he thought of it later that he did not sink under the load of despair. He knew he, that he was a fierce fighter, but that year had been enough to break the heart of a lion. Since I have survived that year, he always said, I shall survive anything. He put it down to his inflexible, to his inflexible will. So, um, all of this, all of this, of course, is the magical word that we say in all novels. It's exposition. You have to know all of this story before we can really climb into the rising action. Okay. That's the first three chapters of things fall apart. Um, I got to do my shout outs, but my phone's on the other side of the room. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to do a little transition and then I'm going to come back for shout outs. Guys, Google Forms, make sure you fill it out and let me know your questions. Okay, I'm back. Did you guys like my transition music? I got my phone. Hey, have you guys ever done that thing where you um, plug your phone in, but you don't realize that the other side of the cord isn't plugged into the wall? And then an hour later, you're at 8%. Uh, I just did that. Okay. Second hour, really represent tonight. Um, first of all, heard from Honor. Honor, what up? So great to hear from you. Um, guys, also heard from Daniel. Hadn't heard from him yet, so shout out to Daniel. I don't know if he's actually listening, but um, I was really pumped to see um, an email from him, so I'm going to email him right now, and hopefully he can listen to the podcast and hear a shout out. Guys, Allie Bonello, I didn't even know this, but she text email me a picture that there is such a thing as extra toasty toasty there's like extra toastiness in the Cheez-Its what I always thought people wanted like the extra cheddar but these are extra toastiness um all right I'll try to post more on Instagram so I can hear from people but feel free to send me an email tell me how you're doing 
if you turn it in a journal, I love you. All the journals were awesome. I don't want to give personal shout outs to people on the journals because, you know, those are obviously just confidential for me to read. But if you turned in a journal, I love you. And this is your shout out. Um, I've think I've read, I think I have one more class to go. So fifth hour, just like usual, you're my last crew, but, um, everybody's journals have been amazing so far. If you haven't written your journal yet, please go do it now. Okay, guys, I'm done for the night. I got to go record my English 11 pod. Um, I hope everyone's doing well and, um, make sure you fill out the Google form. Oh, let's talk about what we're going to read. What am I doing for next week? I would like us to read chapters four, five, and six for Monday. And I'm hoping that'll give us enough time for people to get caught up. Um, I'm going to discuss four, five, and six on Monday night. Okay. Um, I'll post questions. Um, if, if you turned in a draft, awesome. I will probably read it and put notes on it this weekend. So just know that. Um, if you're still working on your draft, that's okay. I'll read it when you turn it in. Okay. Hope everyone's having a great evening. Talk to you soon. Bye.